the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you today on this fine Monday afternoon, wherever you may be listening here in all of Southern California from 3 to 5 each and every weekday. You might be listening in other parts of the country. You can always feel free to chime in and tell us how it's going, where you are. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-2557. You might be listening elsewhere because we can be found on anybody's Alexa device or online. And uh, just look for our program online, Southern California Live. Um, election day happened last week. We haven't had a lot of chance to talk about it on our program. I want to thank you for last week coming out of the election and helping us raise money to help people in India who are suffering tremendously. Appreciate that very, very much. We helped together, I think over 600 families and, uh, with safe water. So appreciate that very much. And we want to say thank you to our veterans on Friday, veterans day, which is an important thing to do. So we took time to do that. In the meantime, the election's hardly even over at this point. So, um, I mean, it's over for the most part, but there's still some things to be decided, especially right here in California. So what is your response? And uh, here's a question maybe for us, for believers, as we think about this, what are some better ways for Christians to approach elections and the way we interact in the culture? Last hour, we talked about how the the turnout nationally is around 50%, maybe a little lower so far, What's been reported in L.A. County is only is less than 30 percent turnout, 50 percent in San Diego County, uh, about 50 percent in Orange County right now. So L.A. is a little behind. You know, if I went to Arizona this weekend and I went there for my niece's wedding, we were out there driving back and forth, which was a interesting experience as it usually is. But um, we had a good time at the wedding and I thought maybe I'll stick around for the riots if they're going to have them. Uh, doesn't look like they're having that. If you're following that race, uh, the last governor race uh, to be decided, I think they haven't decided Alaska yet. Alaska's doing weird stuff with their voting, but uh, Arizona's not decided. And uh, Republican Kerry Lake is behind uh, Democrat um, Katie Hobbs by about 26,000 votes. That's going to uh, probably be decided right after this program. I follow those things uh, pretty closely. And uh, sometime between five and six, I think, our time. Arizona will uh, drop a whole nother uh, bunch of numbers. And basically, if uh, you follow that kind of thing, if Carrie Lake gets 58% or more of the vote, she has a chance to to overcome that deficit. If she doesn't, it's probably over. And people are going to have lots of feelings about that one way or another. Moving forward, you know, as believers, how do we have a conversation in a season where there is apathy, even in the church, apathy towards the elections? That's why people don't vote. Um, there might be discouragement or other reasons why you would have apathy, but uh, there sure is a lot of people who don't connect. Um, what is the right thing for the church to do moving forward? 888-528-2557. And in saying that, I want to make something clear. The church does not win or lose elections. The church is, you know, we do not 
elect or come to some point where we elect or reelect Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's not on the, he's not on any ballot. You never will be on any ballot. It doesn't work that way. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he is sitting on the throne. No matter how the elections turn out, no matter what is going on, no matter how things play out, Jesus is on the throne. And I hope that brings us a lot of comfort. It brings me a lot of comfort. I guess I've been around a long you know, long enough. It happens when you get older, right? You you start to say things like, you know, well, I've been around long enough. And, uh, but I think now that I'm, I'm getting to, to see this, I've seen Republicans win. I've seen Democrats win and I've seen the same issues, pretty much the same thing for 40 years. Uh, I don't believe that the election was a threat uh, to democracy. And I believe that democracy is why we have elections. I think not people not voting is a bigger threat to democracy than anything else. If there is one, um, and not voting in a, in an educated way. Um, some things that do concern me, though, about Christians in and really anybody. Okay, but for 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 us taking a look at Christians, the most important thing for us is our testimony among those people who aren't believers. In the way that we talk about even issues of the day, things that we might be very opinionated politically, and some things we can be wrong or right about, it doesn't matter. But there are some things I think that that the Lord does care about. I think that the Lord does care a lot about um, people's souls more than anything else. That's what he wants from our churches. He wants us to make disciples. Jesus gave us that command. And that's the greatest endeavor of all of all time. It's a greater endeavor than democracy. It's a greater endeavor than whatever you think is maybe the most positive possible outcome of some kind of election. And that's something for us as believers we've got to understand. And the church, Jesus's church, capital C Church, actually does better when there's oppression. That the places where the gospel is being spread greater than anywhere else is in countries like Iran, in China, and in places where the church is underground, where it's either illegal or very oppressed. And I think part of that is because when you, when you don't have a lot of freedom and flexibility with the gospel, you focus on the gospel. When you don't really have any option to argue about what kind of carpet you're going to have, and, and uh, you don't really get to argue about the music because you're not allowed to have any music, I think you get to focus more on what Jesus called us to do. I almost went on a mission trip to... Um, years ago, the mission trip was actually going to be to France, uh, followed up by another mission trip to Morocco. It was a two-step thing, okay? And so I was working with a missionary who was a missionary to Muslims. He was a former Muslim, and uh, he put together these trips to go to France, and he would go to a place somewhere uh, outside of Nice, and he would kind of chuckle about it because he would say that, you know, people go on the Nice trip because they think, well, I get to go to Europe, and he goes, yeah, we'll go to Paris and we'll see the Eiffel Tower and we'll see some things and you get to have the food and the cheese and the wine and we'll take do some touristy things. He says, but when we get to the mission, he goes, the neighborhoods we go to are so Muslim, so Moroccan, you have no idea you're in France. Nobody's speaking French. You don't know. It doesn't feel anything like like France. He says, you are in a place where people find out that you're a Christian and they will spit at you or they will slam the door in your face. And we get to experience that. He was all excited about that. And then the funny part that he said was to me is he said, then the next year we go to Morocco where they won't spit at you, they'll kill you. <laughs> that was a harder, that's a harder selling point, uh, that part there and going to that mission trip. But um, we didn't get to go on that mission trip because it happened, uh, we were scheduled to go right after 
And so everything got canceled after that. We never went. Um, he didn't feel like it was a good idea at that point. He's probably right uh, for a bunch of Americans to go over there. Um, we have an opportunity, as we always do, to continue to be engaged with the culture, but we, we should do it in a loving way. Here's what Romans has to say, Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I think he says love must be sincere because we often say we're love, we love people. As Christians, we love everybody. But sometimes people who are outside the church who vote a different way don't feel very loved. Sometimes people who are outside the church who have a different opinion about morality matters, sometimes they don't feel very loved. Now, often they do. And I don't want to, you know, I think that, that the church, sometimes we're too critical of ourselves because we see kind of some some large events and things happening in the news. And, you know, the news will always pick somebody being a jerk, and that's the person who makes the news. Most Christians are pretty loving to the people in their life, but we do have an issue here sometimes. And sometimes in our politics, it gets a little bit um, over the top. Love must be sincere. Hate for uh, Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. There's something there about never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Do you feel like you have zeal? Do you feel like that you have a a spiritual fervor for serving the Lord? New survey came out that said that um, still about 15 to 20 percent of people are no longer in no longer going to church since the uh, shutdown. Somewhere we've lost some some zeal. And I think in some way, when it comes to elections, we talk about the, the issues and we get to the election and then boom, as soon as the election is over, we stop caring for two years. I know that's not everybody, but I think that's some of us. And stop caring about the the issues or the policies that lead to real issues for people. Does that make sense? Most of us are frustrated, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I think you're, you're frustrated with what's happening with homeless people in California. And it's getting worse. What do we do about it moving forward as the church? Election's over. All the distractions of all of that is aside. What do we do? And do we get so involved in it that we can't see the light for what's happening? Are we feeling like we are hindered or we are um, strengthened by election results that probably don't uh, affect us either way. You know, what's going to happen? Well, the Republicans didn't do as well as some people thought. Abortion was a driving issue in some states across the country. I think it mattered maybe more than some people thought. Um, Republicans, I think, will hold on to the, the House of Representatives by one or two people. Right now, if Republicans win every race they're ahead of, most of them are California, then um, they're going to win 222 seats, a four-seat majority, five-seat majority. Same thing that the Democrats have now. Just flip it. That's the same. Governors, uh, Democrats pick up maybe one, maybe two. Uh, Democrats pick up one seat in the Senate. The crazy thing to me is that what happened in this election is that we voted almost entirely for all the incumbents. With the inflation the way it is, with the homelessness the way it is, with the crime the way it is, all the issues that we've talked about on this show and other, you know, everywhere you're talking about, people pretty much voted to keep exactly the same people in. And I think about that, you know, spiritually. What does God, you know, what is God's role in all of these things? God is always involved. 
you know, he's either, you know, involved and he's sort of hands-off or he's very hands-on. People have different opinions, but whatever you look at it, however you look at it, God is involved. What does he want the church to do now that the election is over? 888-528-2557. We ended last hour with somebody saying, you know, the church maybe needs to take a look at where we've been. What does the church need to do as it engages with these issues that matter greatly? 888-528-2557. Are we connected with, are we making disciples? Is this an agenda? Or are we making Republicans? We're making Democrats. Or making independents. There are more independents now than Republicans in California. I think there's, uh, and independents are catching up to Democrats in California. You know, is that more important to us than actually solving the homeless issue? What would happen if churches actually spent a lot more time together. Now, churches are doing a lot for the homeless issue. Churches, some of the best programs and the best things going on to help homeless people are happening because of the church involvement with the rescue missions and with uh, many different services and things. Do not think for a minute that the church somehow is ineffective in these areas because imagine if there was no church. Imagine how much worse it would be. It would be a lot worse. All right, it's happening. One of the things I think that's coming up is how we have conversations about different issues. Are you, you know, I, I ran, a lot of you participated in the ferocious election day special. Oh, did you, uh, there we go. There was the official music for that. People kept saying how and they enjoyed hearing that all the time because they expected the Charlie Brown Christmas special to come on afterward, which is definitely true if you're from my generation. We did that, and you know, in there in the comments, it's not—it's a nonpartisan thing. It's just uh, things I do for results. But there's lots of people screaming about, you know, obviously they cheated, that side cheated, and obviously no one would vote for that guy, and this and that. And I—I I think to myself often, well, how do we know? Do we do we know this? Uh, people are going to say whatever happens in in Arizona that there's cheating going on, or here in California because of the slow ele- voting count. And it is slow. It's it's ridiculous, except I would point out that many states are still counting. Arizona is ahead of Utah. Arizona is 93% done. Utah is only 85% done. Did you know that? Now, you didn't know that because nobody cares about Utah. All those races are not close. They're all decided and nobody's looking. California is far worse than Arizona. And the reason in all of these states that this is happening is, you know, people are, are charging incompetence or they're charging, you know, uh, fraud or other things. Those things could be happening, but the reason that the count is slow in Arizona and the reason that it's slow in California, regardless of whether or not there's incompetence or fraud or anything else, is because of the statutes. It's because it's the way it's set up. In California, for example, you can you could have mailed your ballot. As long as it was postmarked legally last Tuesday, it's still going to count. So you drop your ballot off. It gets presumably picked up. I imagine, what happens if you dropped it off in a mailbox and they've already done the pickup for that? Say you dropped it off at 3 in the afternoon in a mailbox on Tuesday, but the postal worker came at 2 o'clock and picked it up. Does your vote count? I guess it doesn't, unless they came around and picked them up again later. You know how they do it, at, like on tax day, the post office is open until midnight, and you can go and drop your uh, return off at midnight on April 15th, um, which I am sad to say I've been a part of that line many times uh, in my life. And it's like a party going on. There's so many people out there doing that. Uh, I don't know how that worked, but if assuming you got your ballot in in time, then your vote is going to count. So 
It gets postmarked. It gets brought to the processing center Tuesday night. It gets delivered by Thursday, maybe Friday's a holiday. So it gets delivered Saturday, but nobody's looking at it on Saturday. Maybe it gets delivered today. I think today is the last day they'll accept them. And then they got to take a look at all of them personally. They got to look at the, the, the ballot. They got to look at your signature. They got to look and then match your signature to your driver's license signature. And then somebody decides whether that's any good or not. That's where the controversy you know, begins if it's really close. And uh, you should you definitely should go online, figure out if your vote counted, if your vote got in there. Uh, they say about 2%, about 2% of mail-in ballots get tossed because you didn't sign it right, you didn't fill it out right, stray marks, there's all kinds of reasons. I was reading something that said that lots of people do this on their ballot. They don't like the idea that your name and your signature is on the outside of the envelope when you mail it. And I get that. I feel like, well, that's kind of odd, right, It's uh, that we're doing that. But if so what people do is they, instead of sign it, they write see inside. And then what they do is they sign their ballot or they have another piece of paper in there. But if you do that, your vote doesn't count. If you do that, your vote is tossed. You, you have to sign it in the box. You've got to put the date on it. And it's got to be postmarked by the date or it doesn't count. Um, and I guess a lot of people do that. So you got to be you got to follow those rules with all of that. It's important, I think, that we understand that, though, in our. And this is what I'm getting at. In our conversations with people, if we're frustrated with how the election's going or how it's turning out, and especially as it takes days, and for sure, the fact that it takes days, it raises questions. It makes people wonder, well, is one side adding votes? You know, that's what they're going to say in Arizona. They're going to say, well, they're adding votes here, and that's why it takes so long. It's not really why it takes so long, but it does provide opportunity if somebody wanted to do that. No one's pointing out how you would do that, but if somebody figured it out, then it provides that opportunity. In California, they could say the same thing. Some of our elections, there's still 11 congressional races up for grabs in California uh, right now. Uh, the mayor's race in Los Angeles, they're saying now maybe we'll know by Thanksgiving. Kevin Bass and uh, Richard Caruso, who's going to win that? Um, and uh, the thing is crazy, too. If, they, if the election is so close that it's an automatic recount in Arizona— which it has to be within half a percentage point, and that's possible. It will go to an automatic recount, and they're saying that won't be decided till December. Uh, that's wild. To, to me, that does seem like in 2022, uh, we should be able to get these things counted a lot faster. But we can't because that's the function of mail ballot, and it's the function of statute. It's how many people are allowed to count, how many batches are they allowed to do, how many hours a day. Uh, when can you still receive ballots? All of those things. So in California, ballots are still coming in today. 28% of people, 29% of people voted in San Diego or in uh, Los Angeles County, as far as we know. That number might go up to 33, 35. It could be 65 if everybody decided to vote late. Who knows? How do we have a conversation about it without getting, without losing our relationships? Can I encourage you this way? A lot of Christians over the past several years, not just Christians, this has happened across the board. People have lost friendships over conversations and accusations based upon how we vote, whether or not somebody is cheating, whether or not something is you know legal or not. This can't be us for Christians we, because we have something far more important, our testimony about Jesus Christ. I was mentioning that if you've been around a long time, you've now seen the Congress change hands multiple times over the past 30 years. It was 
the Democrats had it for 40 years. So if you're if you're if you're in your 80s, well, you saw the Democrats have control of it for 40 years straight. And but the last 40 years, you've seen it go Republican back to Democrat, back to Republican, back to Democrat, back to Republican, back to Democrat, back to uh, Republican. now. And we seem to be talking about the same issues, immigration and gun control and abortion and uh, all of those different things. They're not getting solved. And it makes me wonder this. Maybe God is calling us as the church to do something about these things. I think the church can do a whole lot more if we work together on homelessness. I think that the issues that are going on in schools with education, even public education, we can do a whole lot more if we engage, if we have, if we're not lacking in zeal, if we keep our spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, as Romans 12 says, being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, sharing with the Lord's people in need. That's, that's Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, but it's Philadelphia brotherly love. Practice hospitality. Uh, that's the love of, brotherly love is the love of other Christians because they're Christians. Hospitality is the love of human beings because they're human beings. And we are to love all. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is the the way of Christian life. This is what we need to be known as, and it includes how we respond to elections and how we respond to different things. I think that maybe one of the reasons that, you know, there's all kinds of political reasons and political science reasons why things don't get resolved. But I think because Jesus is on the throne, part of what needs to happen, part of what God wants to happen, is that Christians would do this. Imagine the influence we have on the culture when we are practicing true hospitality and sharing with the Lord's people who have a need. And the church becomes this place where there is tremendous rejoicing and there is tremendous harmony and there is tremendous humility and everybody's welcome. Um, Even people who are in low position, those things matter. You're listening to Southern California Live, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. And the question I asked is if you want to respond to the election, if you had any thoughts about it, we haven't talked about it as uh, a listening audience since uh, last week. You can give me a call and share those thoughts. When we get back, we'll continue talking about the election and some other things in the news, 888-528-2557. Do you know there's a celebrity who got uh, seriously injured uh, by a fire? We'll talk about that. Uh, When we come back, 888-528-2557 is the number you're listening to Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, there is an old story about two hunters who are walking through the woods and they come across a deep hole in the middle of the woods and they look down and they're astounded that they can't even see the bottom of it. And they wonder how deep it is. And they go looking for something to throw down the hole just to see if they can hear how long it would take for it to hit the bottom. And they see an old rusty anvil and they throw it down the hole. The hole is so deep. They never even hear it hit the bottom. Suddenly there was this rustling behind them and a galloping sound and a goat 
goes flying past them and then jumps straight into the hole. And they are astonished by this. Behind the goat, they hear a guy calling out for the goat and chasing after him. And he sees the 200, the man sees the two hunters and says, I'm sorry. Or the, the two hunters see the man and says, I'm sorry, but if you're looking for your goat, he just ran into this bottomless hole. And the man says, that's impossible. I tied him to, off to an anvil. An old silly joke, and uh, Jay Leno told that joke. And I mentioned that because I saw in the news today Jay, Jay Leno got hurt pretty bad with uh, in an accident. We don't know how bad it is, but he has some pretty serious burns. You know, Jay Leno has his garage and that program on. And uh, I guess there was a car fire or something that happened suddenly. And uh, so we don't know how bad he is, but uh, we want to think about him and, and pray um, for him. As as I think you do. I love Jay Leno. Who tells a joke about an anvil going down a hole? Ridiculous joke. But uh, it makes me laugh. 888-528-2557. How are you feeling about the elections? We haven't reacted um, since the election on our program. We had some other things that we did last week, but we appreciate uh, your time with that. And I thought I would take some time and just get your thoughts uh, about where things are. It's not quite over yet. I think that uh, Arizona will find out one way or the other right after this program. Well, that's going to happen. And uh, California is going to take a while. Looks like we're not going to find out who the new mayor of Los Angeles is until uh, Turkey Day, uh, Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about that later this week. 888-528-2557. Terry Lou, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Terry Lou. How you Thank doing? You fine. On my way home from Costco. Yeah. I live in Julian. But I'm disappointed in the elections because I think the church needs to be more involved, and it's not for a party. I think I think we need to focus on what the belief of the candidate has, the platform that they're representing. Because mm-hmm. I voted for I voted for Trump, and it doesn't matter who I voted for. I voted for because I voted for right to life and freedom of speech and right to bear arms. And I have a friend that I really care about, and she blew up because I voted for Trump. And I said, no. I said, I wasn't voting for the person. I was voting for what that party believes in compared to the other party. And um, I think it's sad, and I think the church needs to be more involved. And um, God ultimately puts on the throne who he wants and takes down who he wants. Mm -hmm. But... um, I believe that we need to be more involved in um, praying for our candidates and voting for uh, biblical principle-based candidates. You know, I think that um, one of the things you said that really matters a lot is that God will put on the throne who he wants on the throne and he'll take him off when he wants to. That's a place to, to hang your discouragement and turn it into encouragement as much as you can. Right, yeah, that, God, that God's in control, and, <laughs> and yeah, and all of that, you know, with however it turns out, and uh, you know, the the church. There's a lot of issues that the church can be involved with that are are not attached to people as much as they're attached to. <clears throat> excuse me, what's happening in the schools and what's happening in uh, some other places? Do you feel like I think this is a big question? Okay, when as people, particularly the Republicans, as they are. You know, in part, they're wondering why there wasn't a wave. Which, what I find interesting about that, I was telling some people here before the election, I thought, you know, the polls aren't really showing a wave. You know, the polls, there's a few polls that were way off, but most of the polls were exactly right, and they didn't exactly show a wave. They pretty much showed what happened. 
I wonder where we got. Uh-huh. Th- I wonder where people got that from. Where was that coming from? The uh, I think it's you know where it was coming from is people thought well the polls are always wrong in favor of the the Democrats so if that's true, then it's going to be a wave, um, but then it wasn't. Um, <clears throat> but part of the conversation I think coming out of that is talking about and really for both sides both sides have some of this because even though I think the Democrats feel very a lot of relief that there wasn't a wave and consider it a victory, even though they lost the House and some other things, uh, and the Republicans are discouraged. Both sides are asking questions about the quality of candidate. Have you thought about that? Like from the, the church perspective, you're talking about voting for party. Has that gone too far on both sides, do you think? Does, does character matter of the candidate? I think it does. I think that's one of the big things that the church needs to get behind godly men and women that are running and support them and to pray for them, and that more people um, that have principles should run rather than sitting back and letting whatever happens. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I I appreciate that, Terry Lou. Thank you for calling, and I hope that you are encouraged because uh, the Lord is on the throne, and you're right about that. Just hang your hat there. And don't worry, 888-528-2557. One of the issues that's out there is candidate quality. Um, the Democrats are asking questions about uh, Beto O'Rourke, who they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on and has lost poorly now three times. Uh, Stacey Abrams in uh, Georgia, the same. Um, and what some people have noted is that there was a lot of split ticket voting here, that 200,000 people in Georgia voted for the Republican governor, uh, but then voted for the Democrat uh, who's running for Senate on the same ballot. Same thing happened in Pennsylvania, where both Republicans lost, but um, Mastriano, the governor candidate, lost badly in Pennsylvania, and uh, Oz, Dr. Oz lost by four or five points. Um the people split their ballot there. They, a lot of people who voted for Oz did not vote for the Republican candidate as the governor. And I think maybe that's not bad in the sense that maybe that means voters are paying more attention to person more than party on some respects. Um, as Christians, you know, this has been a thing for the Christian church for a while. Is, is the Christian church consistent when it comes to character matters on who they put forward. This is something I ask all the time. I did a routine years ago on my show. You're listening to Southern California Live, by the way. Scott Furrow, your hosts. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. I think I'm going to do this routine at some point on this show. And what I would do is I would take a quote from a candidate. Let's say I, I took the quote from Karen Bass, and but I attributed it uh, to Caruso. And I'd have people call and they would say, ah, I don't like what, what uh, he's saying, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd say, oh, I made a mistake. Actually, Karen Bass said that. And they, oh, and suddenly they agree with it. And you have to wonder, you know, how much, <laughs> how are we consistent? And this matters, I think, a lot for believers with what we will put up with, with somebody who might lean more in uh, whatever our political side is than the other side. I mean, there are things that uh, that if... If Barack Obama did it and uh, not Donald Trump, I wonder how many people would have the same response. Back in the day, I did it with Barack Obama and George Bush. It was it was unbelievable how many people didn't even realize that I was switching the names of who you know, those people are. You know, are we consistent with that? Uh, I think that, that character matters. Character 
is something scripturally we see all the time that matters with respect to success in leadership. I think it's not enough to simply have the right beliefs or the right policies if you want to have long-term success. You're going to have to have character so that people will trust you enough to get those things done. I think that matters tremendously. I think for people in the church, this is a good time to really grapple with that. I think it matters at every level of, of leadership, right? The people who have character in your company. You know, if the boss is not somebody of character, then you're going to have a, a high turnover of staff. If you are somebody who continually loses your job, maybe you're just applying for the wrong kind of job, like you're really good at interviews. I used to know a guy. He could get any job. He was just brilliant in an interview. He would just sell you on himself, and he was completely incompetent with most of what he would do. I'm sure he has some skills and gifts. But that guy had a new job all the time, and then he'd get fired within a couple of weeks. In fact, this guy had a job. He had a job as a gardener, and he got fired, and he was completely incompetent. He, didn't, he, he even claimed he didn't know how to flush a toilet. Okay, that's how bad he was. I'm not even kidding. This same guy saw his old job advertised, and the, back then we had newspapers, and there were these things called one ads. Now you would go to you know Craigslist or you would go to LinkedIn or something to find the, the job posting, Indeed, one of those. Um, back then you go to the newspaper. He found his same job posted. He went back and he convinced the guy in the interview that he was his twin brother. He really did. And he got rehired for the same job. It took the guy a whole week to figure out it was the same guy. That's how good this guy was in an interview, but incompetent in real life. Uh, character matters, you know. It it just does, and that's a biblical principle. And nobody should be perfect. I think sometimes we just we we look for whatever's wrong in the other guy, and then we tear that person down. And nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to be the same. But it definitely matters. And shouldn't we be asking for better candidates? Shouldn't we create in the a environment where we don't tear everybody down, but where we actually um, will we are concerned about character. 888-528-2557. I'll take your calls as soon as we get back from this break. 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. 888-528-2557, getting some responses and reactions to uh, the election. Ada in Southgate, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, I I just wanted to bring up that, because you're talking about character. Yeah. And I'm saying the churches, you know, the Christians, are we like going by really what, you know, are we knowing what we're voting for and all that, but... A lot of the younger people that are voting think that it, I was saying is is different now. You know, when I first came to know the Lord, my, you know, I really I saw that like the worship team would be cu- married couple. You don't have to be married, but if you were not married and living together, you were not allowed to be like speaking on a you know Wednesday night or <clears throat> or. Um, or or in the worship team or teaching the kids. But now I see that they, it doesn't matter, you know. There's couples that are living together, and I see them serving. And I know it's good to serve, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure about the examples, the characters. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's like 
I don't know. I, I guess they, we got to be loving, and I know we have to be loving. But, yeah. Well, you, you know, know I, I don't know about that. You know, I know that now, you know, I see, you know, people teaching, and I mean, everybody knows. I mean, I, well, I'm not judging them, but I'm just saying, you know, we know they live together and they're not married or they're preaching on a Wednesday night, you know, or. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Ada, and I appreciate your call and your thoughts about that. You know, the the Bible makes it clear that character matters, in particular for leaders, right? I, I think that there's some debate, you know, maybe that churches would have about, you know, where those character things have to be um, enforced, to use uh, maybe, maybe it's not the best term, but kind of is, you know, certainly with elders and pastors and uh, whoever your church leadership is, um, you you should have that, right? That the, the people who are serving have to be held to a higher standard. I appreciate your phone call on that, 888-528-2557. And I think that the, um, I think that this tells us something throughout the scriptures, that leadership does have a responsibility for making better, having better judgment. In fact, when I was uh, a pastor, I would in the people I would hire, part of the job description, a big part of it was just a statement about judgment, that my expectation is that the person would have good judgment. And, you know, there were job, you know, things you have to do as a part of the job, whether you're the children's leader or the worship leader or whoever you are, judgment is the biggest one. In fact, I would say that the the biggest problems that anybody had, and I think this is true in any place I've worked, actually, is is judgment or character issues. You know, they get in the way. And if you don't if you don't address them, if you don't deal with them, or if you, the mistake is, is when you know about them before, but you don't care. Uh, churches do this all the time. You know, we know this guy uh, is immoral, but uh, he gives a lot of money. So let's make him chairman of the board. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's got a lot of skills, a very talented person. So, you know, uh, those things matter, but they also matter. I think, and we're seeing this, I think, I think it's part of the conversation in the politics right now is people asking about quality candidates. And I don't think you should expect candidates to all have Christian testimonies. They're not going to in our our country. But I think that there are standards that most people would agree with as far as the type of judgment a person uses. Companies do this, right? You see these people who uh, post something on their social media where they're being rude to somebody in a restaurant or obnoxious. Remember the guy, there's a guy in Arizona who was obnoxious and rude to a drive-thru you know, somebody working in a drive-thru and it was videoed and posted and went viral and they fired him. The company he worked for fired him. He didn't work for the the fast food company. He worked for, I think it was a finance company. And they fired him because they felt like his attitude where it went viral affected people's view of that company. In fact, in in probably in your job, somewhere there is a, a character clause in a contract. Not every job has that, but if you have a job where you sign a contract where, and then probably somewhere in the employee manual that you sign the back of to say you read it, but you never actually read it, somewhere in there is a statement about character that says, hey, if your outside the workplace behavior reflects poorly on this company, you could lose your job. And this is because character actually matters. That's why church leaders um, have very specific qualifications in First Timothy and Titus, right? And it's not perfect. I know the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, 
not quarrelsome. That's a big one right there that gets ignored by lots of churches. Not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see to it that his children obey him. People might disagree here and there about what that means. You know, churches will disagree about what is faithful to his wife mean. Does that mean it can only be a guy? Does that mean that the person has to be married, can't be single? Does that mean um, he can't be, uh, some translations, I think, husband of one wife? So does that mean he can't be divorced or can't even be a widower who got remarried? People have different interpretations, but at the end of the day, this passage makes it really, really clear that character matters in God's church. And the reason isn't to elevate some person over another person. They get saved the same way. They get saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Um, Am I late for a commercial? Oh, okay. Just making sure. Um, We just came back from that. Uh, I just saw the clock and I thought, oh, I don't want to be late to that because I want, there's something else here. I want to continue here. You get what I'm saying here is character matters greatly and it matters at your workplace and it matters with you. I think that if there's something that we can take away from these elections and both sides need to do this. And there's a conversation happening, and both sides are having it, about quality candidates. Sometimes the candidate quality has has more to do with fundamentals. Somebody wrote me about Oz in Pennsylvania and why I thought he was a bad candidate. The reason he wasn't a good candidate is because he's from New Jersey, and Pennsylvanians don't like voting for a guy who lives in New Jersey. There's a whole lot of other fundamentals related to that. Uh, but sometimes people are just bad candidates because of character. You know, and what do you do when you've got sometimes both sides? So character matters. It's something that needs to be considered, and I think Christians need to consider this uh, very, very seriously moving forward because it, it, it reflects on our faith, the type of person that we would make excuses for. Nobody's perfect, but if you can't, if you can't criticize your own when they do something wrong, then there's a problem, um, and that should be there. Hey, we just have a couple minutes left. I want to share something uh, personal with you. Speaking of character... Today is my wife's birthday. Her name is Christy. And I will not tell you how old she is other than to let you know that what matters to her as far as age is that she would want you to know she's younger than me. <laughs> that She made that clear when we were dating, that there was a point when she thought, wait a minute, am I older than you? I don't think I can do this if I'm older than you. And uh, no, she she's not. My wife is a wife of of character. And... In so many ways, I, we've been married 21 years and, you know, we have our ups and downs like any couple does, but uh, I can tell you that I am happier today that she is my wife than I've ever been. And this is because of her character. She's a beautiful woman. I like to say that uh, whenever we go out somewhere together and people meet my wife, they look at her and they think I must be rich. Why would she marry that guy? And I feel pretty good about that. But you know what? That doesn't last very long. I don't mean beauty doesn't last very long. She's still beautiful. What I mean is that if you're around people, how they look or the things that they're into or the things that are kind of on the surface, those things go away real quick if there's a character problem. Those things don't matter at all really quick. My wife and I were friends for a long time, genuine friends. You know, it's always some kind of interest, but we dated other people and those kinds of things in the meantime. But what attracted me to her as more than a friend is when she, I started to get to know her well enough that she was talking about her family, her extended family, and how much she cared about her cousins and her nieces and nephews, of which there are many, and their faith, and how much she wanted them to know the Lord, and some that she was excited for in their growth, and some who she was concerned about, and she wanted to pray for them. 
and her concern for for other people, her dedication to the Word of God. She was in a Bible study. She was a Bible study leader, and she had to actually go to a Bible study Fridays at 4.45 in the morning. She would get all dressed up and go to this. That's dedication. I'm glad she doesn't do that now because I don't want to get up. But back then, that was pretty impressive that she would have that kind of commitment that she would go every day or every week and do that. She's a dedicated mom to our boys. She cares greatly about how they're doing. She cares about our neighbors. We, One of the things that's a blessing in our life right now is that we have neighbors who we're getting to know on just about all sides. And my wife is the one making that happen. And I'm grateful for that. I think it's it's something for anybody to do, but I think as believers, we should know and care about our neighbors. You may not be the best of friends, maybe you're not connect, there's different reasons, but, but you should know them and they should know you. And my wife is making that happen. And to my neighbor's credit, they're also making that happen. I got some good people around me, but but my wife is making that happen. So I want to do uh, say happy birthday to my, my lovely wife, a precious gift from God. And uh, I love you. And I don't know if she's listening right now. You know, I hope she is uh, because I still need to get her a present. No, that's not true. I actually do have a present. I do have to. <laughs> it's been a busy week, you know. Uh, <laughs> I do have a present. I actually have it in my car. You know, yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I have to go get a couple of things. But we will have birthday celebration later this evening. And uh, so uh, don't make something for dinner. We will figure it out, honey, if you happen to be listening. Anyway, uh, thank you, Christy. Happy birthday and, uh, and all of that. Everybody, it's good to be with you. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. If you ever miss an hour of our program, you can go to our radio station website. Just look for SoCal Live in the program guide at kkla.com or kprz.com. And uh, check it out. You can also uh, forward that to your friends and uh, let them know about our show and we appreciate doing that. You can also follow me on social media. Just look for Scott Furrow and, uh, and do that. God bless you, everybody. I hope that you have a great Monday evening, and I'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.